Hello, and welcome to another episode of Building Success, a real estate podcast. My name is Nick, and I will once again be your guide as we talk to some of the best and brightest in the worlds of real estate tech, operations, and financials from across the globe. This podcast would not be possible without listeners such as yourselves. So if you like what you hear and you want to hear more of it, please consider liking and subscribing wherever you get this podcast, whether it be Spotify or Stitcher, iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, whatever medium they have for showing your appreciation for our show, please do so because knowing that helps us know how we're doing and help get this content out to more people. So today I am excited to be speaking with Kirk Chisholm. And on this episode, unlike many of the past ones where we've really dove into the management of properties and and some of the tech surrounding real estate, uh, we go the, the investment route here and talk about utilizing real estate as an investment. So um, more more specifically focused on the individual, and I know much of the listeners of this podcast uh, are involved in real estate maybe from a uh, business standpoint, but taking properties, whether they be residential or commercial, and adding them to your investment portfolio, some of the, the pitfalls and some of the advice that, that Kirk provides uh, is really helpful if that's an avenue that you want to go down when it comes to your own personal financial freedom. Uh, We also talk about self-directed IRAs, which was a new topic for me I had not heard of before, uh, but how real estate can can impact how you want to invest in your your retirement and uh, your your whether it be traditional or Roth IRAs. So um, really good episode, and like I said, something something different for the building success listening world. But hopefully you appreciate it. If this is an avenue you want us to explore more of, let me know, and we can certainly go down that path as well. Uh, but without further ado, uh, let's get to our guest today. So here is Kirk Chisholm. All right, well, thank you, Kirk, for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Nick. And, and for those of you who don't know, this is uh, Kirk Chisholm. He is a, a wealth manager. And we're going to take a kind of pivot for this podcast. We, we talk a lot about real estate property operations, real estate financials, a lot of, a lot of tech going on in the industry. Uh, but we're going to focus on investment today. And, and that's where Kirk comes in. And rather than me try to, try to spit off your background from the, from the one sheet I received, Kirk, can you give me a little bit about your background and, and what brought you to wealth management? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I run a, an independent uh, registered investment advisor, so wealth management firm, and um, I've been in the industry for about 20 years. So I started in December of 99, which if you can imagine is probably the worst time to start in wealth management, uh, <laughs> the peak of the tech, tech bubble. And, um, you know, we had pretty much three years of the market going down. So I learned risk management really quickly in this profession. Yeah. Um, you know, which is important because risk management is really, I mean, if you look at investing in general, it's one of the most important things you can do. Um, you know, if you do that, the performance takes care of itself in many ways. So, you know, I started my career off at Payne Weber and then it got acquired by UBS. I went over to Smith Barney. Uh, they got acquired as well. Um, and, you know, I worked in the broker dealer side and then went independent after that just because, 
you know what I wanted to do required more independence from the from the BD world. But really, I got into the business because I wanted to help people. I saw so many people that were just not good at investing or needed help. You know, whether it's they didn't have the skills or they didn't have the time or they didn't have the interest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a lot of it. I mean, people work in their jobs every day and they're busy and they're doing things that, you know, make them successful. They don't have time to become successful investors. I mean, I do this all day, every day, and there's still not enough time to be great at it. You know, I mean, Warren Buffett been doing this for 70 years and he's he has a lot of experience. Um you know, and he does this all day, every day, you know, but people try to come and do this themselves and it's hard because it's complex. You're competing against the best and the brightest in the world when it comes to investing. So you can't just do it part time. Like you really have to commit to it. Yeah. So part of the reason I came into this field is to really help those people, both from a, a numbers perspective, but also on the emotional side of money too, because it's not investing is not just dollars and cents. It's also, you know, there's emotions wrapped up, things like fear and greed, which are big components to investing. Yeah. You know, if you invested in real estate in 2005 because you were feeling greedy because everyone was making money, you probably got your hat handed to you. But um, subsequently, if you didn't invest in 2010, then, you know, when, when everybody was fearful, then you also missed the boat. So, you know, the emotional part's really important as well. Yeah, and and certainly, I don't know a whole lot about this, so I'm, I'm excited to talk to you, Kirk, um, about this. And and as I've told you before, our listeners are primarily focused in real estate, whether that's their their business, whether they invest in properties, and that's why I really wanted to to pivot into the real estate avenue. And one phrase that I came across doing a little bit of prep for this was real estate being an alternative investment. Can you can you explain what that is? Yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting question cuz um there really is no definition for alternative investments. It's more of a marketing term that people have come up with over the years to describe things that are not traditional or when they say traditional it's more stocks, bonds and mutual funds. Okay. So people think of traditional investments that are kind of traded securities. So real estate is technically an alternative, even though, even though the market is enormous. Um, and real estate is probably the biggest alternative investment market out there. Okay. And, and when you say, <laughs> I guess taking a step even further back, um, when you say real estate, what, what are you spe- speaking of specifically? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good uh, clarification. So I mean, we deal with a lot of different parts of real estate. There's certainly the property investment, which could be, you know, residential, commercial, industrial. You know, there's farmland, there's raw land, there's um, airspace rights, mineral rights. I mean, you could deal with private mortgages, um, tax liens. I mean, there's really a lot of different parts of the real estate um, area. Um, and, you know, we've we've dealt with a lot of it. So real estate is kind of also somewhat ambiguous in that way that it, it, it there's a lot of different um, subsections that you could go down. Okay, and so if you're if you're talking about these different pieces and parts, and and yet to your point, we have a lot of listeners that utilize all of the different full gamut of of real estate from commercial, retail, office space, uh, all the way to you know managing apartment communities and things and, and owning those. 
Um, what are what are some of the major benefits of utilizing real estate as an investment versus some of the traditional, I guess, vehicles, the stocks, the bonds, the mutual funds? Yeah, so real estate, in in my opinion, is one of the best asset classes out there um, because primarily as an investment, it is, um, it's more or less pegged to inflation. So you can certainly have appreciation beyond inflation, but historically speaking over hundreds and hundreds of years, real estate has matched inflation, you know, to a, to a reasonable degree. Now, if you kind of remove the housing bubble, cause that was an anomaly, but mm-hmm. I mean, other than that, it's, it pretty much matches inflation. So in some ways it's inflation proof. Um, in other ways, uh, from a cash flow perspective, if you invest for cash flow, which I, I prioritize personally, um, you know, it's really valuable because you're getting consistent cash flow. Um, and also importantly, tax benefits. I mean, you, there's enormous amount of tax benefits with real estate that doesn't apply to individual stocks. You know, you get an individual stock, you get dividends, you get capital gains, and that's it. With real estate, you know, you have you have write-offs, you have, you know, with expenses, you've got amortization, depreciation, you've got, um, you know, there's a lot of different things with real estate that are um, beneficial that you don't necessarily get with other types of investments. So what about on the other side of that, what about regulations and, and things that you might have to adhere to with real estate versus just owning stocks and bonds? Um. The regulations are a lot less. So if you look at stocks, bonds, mutual funds, there are regulations that they have to adhere to. But you as an investor don't. Like there are some minimal requirements you have, but generally speaking, the requirements are on the on the sell side of it or on the securitization side of it. Um, or even on our side, there's a lot of regulations we have to adhere to, but as an investor, they're, they're fewer. Um, with real estate, uh, there are... I mean, you're basically adhering to contract law. Um, so whatever contracts that you you sign, you obviously have to agree to. So if you sign a PNS, you can't just walk away unless you're willing to give up your your down payment. So sure. I think from that perspective, there's not high regulations, although there are some subsections of that, like tax liens, where it's all clearly laid out in the legislation for what you know, how it works, what you have to do, you have to adhere to certain rules, like that is a little bit different. And I'm sure other parts of it, like if you're doing private mortgages, there are also regulations around that, you know, with being a lender versus, um, you know, there's different regulations for each subsection, but just buying property, there are are much fewer in terms of regulations. Okay, So, so if you're a new investor, um, and you want to look at real estate, is there a specific type of real estate that they should be they should be looking into? Is it a is it as simple as a commercial versus like residential type properties? Um, does it I mean maybe expertise in in their own field? Is it looking for a deal? If someone came to you and said, I was looking, I want to look to get into real estate, where where do you take them? Um <clears throat> It depends. So I, I have this, uh, I, I've kind of followed the Peter Lynch approach of invest in what you know. 
So if an investor knows nothing about real estate, then that kind of falls upon us to do all the due diligence and all the the strategy around it. And that's fine. I mean, that's what we do. That's what we get paid to do. Mm-hmm. Many times clients will come to us and say, I want to buy this property and they want to buy it in their retirement account or something. Um, and what we'll do is we'll kind of help facilitate that for them and we'll, we'll do a level of due diligence, but many times they know what they want and you know, most of them are buying property in their area and they know their area better than we do. So we, you know, we, we kind of, um, rely on them in some ways for that. But, uh, I mean, generally speaking with investors and real estate, um, it can be very simple and it can be challenging depending on the type of real estate. And I, if we have to manage it, then we're more flexible. But, um, I mean, we've seen triple net leases that are yielding, 38% 38% a year. Wow. I mean, you don't, that's hard to find, obviously. And that's yeah. kind of more of a, a, I'll call it a sweetheart deal, but there's, there's obviously more going on there that makes it that, that, um, that successful. But, <clears throat> you know, the, the people who know what they're doing, uh, they tend to have the best investments, just like what I talked about. Like that's, that's not something I see for triple net leases. Like right now we're seeing like six to eight, you know, from the market. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on your state and area. But, you know, there's what I've seen, the best investments tend to be people th- people that, that understand them well. So with real estate, it's really, you have to look at it as an illiquid investment. Um, generally speaking, it's something you're going to buy and you're going to hold for a while because it's going to take you a while to buy it and it's going to take you a while to sell it. Mm-hmm. So it's not liquid. So if you had financial issues that crop up, it's not something you can easily sell or else you'll probably get a bad price if you did. Um, now, there are ways to draw equity from that, right? You can get a home equity line or a mortgage to draw money out, but but still, you can't easily sell it. It's just not, not a liquid investment. So we really just kind of educate our investors um, on the, the uh, you know, the risks and the rewards of real estate and what they should be looking for. And, you know, obviously, we, we do our own research to come up with good good investments and strategies that we feel comfortable with. Um, because there's a lot of stuff out there. Every every Tom, Dick, and Harry is out there selling some turnkey property. And it sounds great on the surface, but the performance still has to be there. Yeah. And that's well, the part that you can't predict. And that was that was actually the turnkeys funny. That was the, the next question I had for you. What What's your advice if someone comes into your office and says that they want to start flipping houses? Flipping houses, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I usually tell them to start small. Um, we know a lot of people that flip houses. Yeah. Um, some people get into it, <clears throat> they realize how hard it is, and they don't do more than one. Um, it depends on the person. It's, it's not a project you do if you have a really busy schedule. Yeah. Like, you know, it's people think, oh, it's easy. I watched it on TV, and people are flipping houses. It's simple. It's if you want to do it well, it's not simple. Um, and I know people that do, you know, 50, 60 flips a year. Like, that's their business. That's what they do every day, all day. And they're good at it. Um, <clears throat> but I think it, so- it sounds more sexy in the TV and, and to hear other people talk about it than to do it yourself. Some people I know, um, one woman in particular, what she started doing is, you know, the live-in flip, as she calls it. She buys a house, she lives in it, 
you know, fixes it up and then sells it two years later for the, for the tax benefit. Yeah. Um, but she's, she's basically, you know, flipping that house. She just does it on her own time. That I think is a little bit more uh, easy. That's kind of like lighter work for people because you're living there, you know, it needs to be done. If there's a problem, you're still living there, you know, it, it's, you can, you can kind of wait it out. So I think in many ways, that's, that's one way that people have done their first one, but there's a lot of moving parts. It's not, it's not, it, it, I think what a lot of people get caught up on is the fact that they think, oh, it's just real estate. I can just invest, but real estate's a business. I could, you know, in many ways it just acts like if you're running a business, you have the same problems, the same challenges, the same upsides. Like it, you can't just look at it as like, oh, it's easy. It's like investing, investing in the stock market. Yeah. Oh, it's easy. I just invest in this fund and it goes up. No, it's really not that easy, but um, people who think it is end up getting, you know, losing money eventually. But I think it's it's the kind of thing you have to really understand well before you do it. Yeah. And, and so on that understanding point, outside of, you know, the, the flipping of a residential house, like what are some of the other pitfalls you've seen um, from investors who want to get into real estate? I would say some of the pitfalls are people leveraging too much. Um, you know, they're, they're just assuming, well, I can put very little down and they can use a lot of leverage. Sometimes leverage helps you. Sometimes it doesn't, mm-hmm. um, not knowing what they're getting into. So a lot of it is just, they just say, oh, it's easy and I'll just do it. Um, I spent a lot of time learning about real estate and investing and, um, rehab and all these other things. You know, I spent a lot of time learning about it and you can never learn it all, but, um, I've found other ways that, um, that fit well. I think one thing that people should think about, and I talk a lot about, a lot about this on, on my podcast is the investor psychology. You need to understand your own investor psychology. Everyone wants to be Warren Buffett. They want to invest like Warren Buffett. But the problem is there's only one Warren Buffett and he has found an investor psychology that works for him Mm -hmm. and he plays into that and it works well for him. Other people may have the same investor psychology as him, but he can sit on a position and not, he can read annual reports for five years before he invests and he's okay with that. You know, like he's okay sitting on his hands. Most people aren't. So, and then there are other people who invest differently. They need to trade every single day. You need to understand that about yourself or you're not going to be successful as an investor. Because if you feel like you need the quote unquote action, right? You need to have something going on to be successful in your investing strategy. Then you need to find a strategy that aligns with that. And personally, uh, you know, I have, I've figured out my own. It's taken me years to figure it out, but I figured out my own and I found strategies that make me successful with mine because I've put a lot of thought and effort into where I'm weak, um, you know, what areas need work. And you don't, you can't necessarily solve them all very easily, but I've found workarounds that make it easy so I don't have to worry about my, you know, um, the areas that I'm weaker in and I just kind of play to my strengths. So I think that's a part of this too. Like if you're, if you're not into flipping houses, then you should find these properties that are already ready to go and just invest or invest through a third party or a fund or a REIT or you find a strategy that works for you. But don't try to do things that you, you're you not capable of doing. 
And I think that's a that's a good segue into the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, and that's the the concept of the self directed IRA. And I, I think a lot of people know the traditional IRA or the Roth, um, but it feels like from from some of the background I've done on it that it it allows a lot more flexibility for you to kind of follow what does interest you. And again, for for the majority of people listening to this, it's it's real estate. But can you dive into the the self directed IRA? I know you work on those a lot. Yeah, so the self-directed IRAs are interesting, and I think there's a misconception about them. So the self-directed IRA, so all IRAs are self-directed. And the term is kind of like alternative investments. It's a meaningless term. It's mm-hmm. used as more marketing to describe you know, what it is. So effectively, all IRAs can invest in virtually anything. Stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, horses, houses, gold, cryptocurrency, you know, you name it. Mm -hmm. You cannot invest in life insurance. You cannot invest in collectibles, but virtually anything else you can invest in. So, you know, if you're a real estate investor and you're really not happy about having your money in mutual funds, you don't need to put your money in mutual funds. You can put it in real estate. Um, And that's a, it's a real eye opener for a lot of people. But effectively, the way it works is if you're going to go to your discount broker dealer, you know, Schwab, Fidelity, TD, whoever it might be, um, they're probably, I mean, I know all those firms, they're really good at stocks, bonds, and mutual funds Mm because that's what they're equipped to deal with. But if you go to them and say, hey, I want to invest in this rental property down the street, they're just going to say, you can't do that. Now, what they really mean is they can't do that. Yeah, because the the rules say that you're allowed to do it, but the custodians, um, all these firms, the brokers, the custodians, they're the same thing. In this case, the custodians are allowed to put restrictions. So they might say, "We do not allow you to invest in this." So you would have to find a custodian that does allow that. And there are forty-seven uh, custodians and administrators that do focus on this and do specialize in it. Mm-hmm. And we have some resources on our website that that kind of point to, to those firms and, and help people find the right one for them. But but effectively, you need to find one that 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 is capable of dealing with real estate and is competent to do so. So it's a great area. We, we've found some extremely creative ways to to generate um, really high returns for clients using real estate. Um, and it's just. You know, if you if you really love real estate, it's a um, it's a great tool to kind of expand your your investments into areas that you know that you already know. Sure, and and does this does this apply to both the traditional and the Roth IRAs? Yeah. So any so basically, there's two types of IRAs. There's traditional IRAs and there's Roth IRAs. Um, they are both self directed. There are also, actually I shouldn't say that, there's also SEP IRAs, there's SIMPLES, there's inherited IRAs, there's a lot, but the general two that people talk about are traditional and Roth. Um, the Roth is different because effectively what it allows you to do is it allows you to put in after-tax dollars and allows you to grow your money tax-free. Mm-hmm. So if you put in $10,000 and it grows to $100,000, you pay no tax on that growth inside of the Roth. A traditional IRA, you put in pre-tax dollars. So if you make $100,000 a year in income and you put in 10,000, 
well, your only your actual income, your you know, adjusted gross would be moved down to ninety thousand. You know, I'm simplifying it, but yeah, that's yeah. effectively how it works. Um, so you don't pay taxes on that when it goes in; you pay taxes when it comes out. So uh, there are other types of investments, like a lot of four hundred one ks, SEP IRAs, simples, things like that. Those are all the the pre tax IRAs. So they all operate like the traditional IRA in that way. Um, you know, there's 401ks too, and you can also invest in this type of thing with 401ks as well. So there's some added benefit there, but not all 401ks will allow it. But if you run your own company, you can certainly set it up that way. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you, Kirk, for your time today. I, um, you mentioned that you had a podcast. I want to make sure that we get that out as well as um, where are some of the other places that, that people can find you, get more information about your firm and the things that you're doing? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so my, in, um, my wealth management firm is Innovative Advisory Group. You can find us at innovativewealth.com. And, you know, I have a, I have a special, um, um, report for, uh, for the listeners at innovativewealth.com slash building success. Okay. So if you're looking to, you know, to learn a bit, a little bit about self-directed IRAs and alternatives, you can go there. Um, the podcast that I run, I host, is called Money Tree Investing Podcast. So if you go to moneytreepodcast.com, you can find us there. We talk about all sorts of investing. Um, and pretty much you can find us on any social media. I mean, I'm, I'm everywhere, so you'll easily be able to find me. Excellent. Well, Kirk, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. This has been extremely informative for, for someone like me who really doesn't know a whole lot on this on this front. So thank you very much for your time. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on the show, Nick. This is a lot of fun. And if you want any more information about Building Success, please be sure to check out buildingsuccess.io. And until next time, we will catch you all later.